Hello and welcome to Talking Tent, a podcast about movies, TV, and all the content we could possibly consume. I'm Zach. And I'm Irma. We are a married couple whose love of movies and TV cannot be contained, so we've decided to share our thoughts, opinions, cheers, and occasional jeers with the world. On this, our 15th episode, we will be talking about the massive revelations in succession. So look at the timestamps below. If you don't know what happened, don't look at the internet at all and just skip ahead or go watch the episode. We'll also be discussing Yellow Jackets, Lil Dicky's show Dave Returned, Beef is currently the hottest thing in Hollywood with Ali Wong and Steven Yoon on Netflix. And then we watched a quaint little rom-com on Hulu called Rye Lane we'll talk about. And it's been far too long, so I watched some spooky movies and we're going to take a short visit to Hoffman's Horror Hangout. But first, we will start how we almost always do with some hot goss industry talk. So what have we got this week? I don't even know. Yeah, this week. Are we talking about Taylor Swift and Joel Allen breaking up? No, it's a big deal. (laughs) She's going to put out her magnum opus maybe after this. It's true. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for her next album. Uh, Just a few notes. So Super Mario Brothers dominated the box office. So anybody that talks about movies is talking about that. It's grossed over $200 million already. I don't really know what that says. I think that was pretty easy to predict. I guess what it says is everybody knew it would do a really good job. Nobody knew it would do this good of a job. So that's exciting because it means people are going to the movies. Yeah, I also think um, it helps when there's like no other um, like movie for children out. And so I just think like parents are always looking for stuff to do for their kids. And that's like a really good movie um, to bring a child to. And also like this might be, I don't know, a reawakening of maybe like video game adaptations. Like it's kind of crazy. They tried to do Super Mario Brothers like in the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm surprised they hadn't tried before now. And I don't know. I feel like the fact that this has done so well, like I don't think that's a good thing. Like, I mean, no, it's definitely a good thing. But like, I just feel like now we're going to have Luigi and we'll have like all these spinoffs because everything has to be a franchise. And I don't know. I just feel like I'm a little scared. Well, hopefully they make a Luigi's Mansion movie because that would be fun. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, you know, it's a children's movie, but it's geared at people between 35 and 40 who have five-year-old to 10-year-old kids. So like, obviously it was going to be everybody was going. It's for me and it's for my potential children or my friend's children. And it's like a perfect mishmash. It, It is a little weird that it took this long. But I guess they had to wait for our demographic to age into mm. into the the proper space to spend to get two hundred million dollars in the box office. But yeah, you're right. It's interesting. I I think Sonic kind of opened the door for this. That's true. Sonic was great. I forgot about Sonic. Both Sonics. Yeah. And they were both kind of surprisingly good. They probably didn't want to do the Mario Brothers movie because most video game movies are bad and they yeah. don't perform well. Oh, or they haven't in the past, then Sonic did pretty well. And then Sonic 2 did really well. And now they basically ramped up into an even bigger uh, hero. And now Super Mario is going to be one of the biggest movies, if not the biggest movie of the year when at the end of this year. Just until Barbie comes out. No, it's going to be way <laughs> better than Barbie. I don't know. Barbie looks amazing. Yeah, no kids are going to see Barbie. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, John Wick crossed the 150 million. 
also it's the highest grossing of any of the John Wick movies. Scream is over a hundred million. Scream six, and that's the highest grossing Scream movie. People are bad. So yeah, they're all franchises, which is like fine. Some of them I'm happy about, and then some, you know, it's all right. Air is up to twenty million, so that's a fully. I mean, that's almost IP, and also though with Nike and Jordan involved. I'm not even, I'm not sure if that's a disappointment. I don't know what they were expecting. It seems fine for an adult drama. In well, it was going to go right on to Amazon. So I feel like any amount of money is probably better than what they expected. Yeah. There has also been some more news about Discovery and HBO and Warner Media that I'm not sure exactly when the drop dead date is, but they are taking the HBO name off of HBO Max, and it's just going to be Max, and they're going to fully incorporate Discovery Plus into this platform, apparently not raise the price, although I'm sure that's just industry speak for not raise the price yet, and I'm sure it'll slowly go up like all of these go up. Uh, people are hooting and hollering. I'm not one to really care about the corporate synergy and what they think the name HBO. For some reason, they think Having the letters HBO in the name is deterring, let's be honest, idiots from watching their content. So if they just make it max and they say, now you can see your Joanna Gaines and all of this, it's all here, then maybe some people won't be like, oh, no, don't touch me with that Perry Mason. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of weird, but that is that is honestly, they're open. They're openly saying that they're not calling them idiots or naming any shows, but that's what they're saying, that the HBO name might be deterring people from watching. And that only means one thing. HBO is smart and prestige and people are like, that's not for me. I mean, I hope that they do have like a subset because HBO is kind of interesting that they still have like shows at 9 p.m. on Sundays. It's not like on Sunday, they will upload it at midnight. It's like, no, 9 p.m. is when the show gets released. And then it also gets released uh, on, I guess, this new Max platform at that same time. So I do hope that there is like, I hope the interface gets a little better. Um, I'm, I would say I don't hate HBO's interface by any means. Um, there are certainly worse ones, but I just hope like that they categorize things a lot better, especially with the amount of content. I just feel like, I don't want them to just be like, ah, oh, recently uploaded. It's like, no, like, please tell me, like, categorize it. If they rid themselves of the HBO brand completely, it's a disaster. Yeah, I don't think they should absolutely do that at all. If they, they just keep it as a subset, then I'm totally fine. It's almost like a channel within a streaming network. Yeah, that's kind of how I imagine it'll be. Yeah, Dis Disney does it a bit. The Disney has way less stuff on their on their platform. But basically, the first row you can see is like, all right, Marvel, Disney mainstream national geographic yeah, like national. you can you can move it into the channels when you're only looking for that thing and let's be honest we i will only be looking at the hb although actor irma watches some of the gross dating stuff that's on there too no i i think they got rid of a lot of that stuff but like no like with like them incorporating discovery a lot of um hgtv shows will be on there and i hope like i've been watching this new show called like coastal cottages and it's like a really cute show of like 15 minute episodes of like a person walking you through their cottage and that's it feels a little like documentary style it's not very hgtv but like i like that that that's on the platform now and i don't know so i'm like i'm hoping 
that like it's like a nice blend of things. Yeah, just don't get rid of my prestige drama. HBO is on an unbelievable run right now. Yeah, and, and they also have really great movies too. To like Warner Brothers movies are always like good. So it's yeah, weird. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Ultimately, I don't think it'll make that big of a difference unless they start really distancing themselves from the HBO of it all. I'd have a yeah, that would that. be a mistake for sure. And then finally, probably the biggest news that came out this week was the Star Wars Celebration, their annual press conference. I mean, it's more, more than that. It's a fan showcase. It's a live event. They stream everything. It's a big mm. hoopla. Um, but the main things that came out of it are we are getting three new movies, supposedly. And it's been four years since the last movie in the trilogy. And we are getting... Um, Three different time periods, which I'm pretty all right with. We are getting an official sequel with Ray back after episode nine. And then we're going way, way back with a early Jedi, the old Republic era. And I am no expert and I did have to look it up, but the old Republic era is thousands of years before the Skywalker saga. So this is, I think it's called the, the rise of the Jedi or something like that. So it's kind of like the early Jedi when Jedi first came out. And that's going to be directed by James Mangold, who did Logan and Ford vs. Mm, Ferrari. That would be is good. Also doing the new Indiana Jones. Uh, and then there's the there's one that's going to be in the middle. It, Dave Filoni is making a movie. And presumably it's going to be kind of an end of Mandalorian. Uh, but it's in the same time period as all of his stuff has been. The, like the, the periods between... The original trilogy and the sequel trilogy uh, yeah. so like the clone wars and the um rebels and mandalorian and bad batch and all of that is in the same time period and this is when this movie is going to be so he hasn't fully conf confirmed that will be like the end of the mandalorian is let's say four seasons in a movie but that feels pretty natural what season are we on right now three or four three Three. Yeah, this hasn't been a great season. Yeah, it's getting a little bit better. I know I said I did, hadn't liked the first, uh, I think, like two or three episodes, but it's gotten it's gotten better. Not great, but better. Uh, and then we just got some updates on the shows that we knew were coming. So the movies were kind of a bit more of a surprise, um, but they just showed a trailer for Ahsoka, which we knew was happening, and or season two. Uh, Visions. Season oh, and or season two. I'm excited for that. That'll yeah, be good. Of course. Uh, Vision season two, the first visions, uh, it was all cartoons and they were all from anime Japanese studios this season. They're it's basically the same thing. Short, short films by different animation studios, but now they're going worldwide and not just Japanese. So there should be a, a bigger range in the, in the styles. Yeah. The that animation they show. style. So some of them, some of them look cool. Uh, and then though, the only show that I didn't know really about was, is called the Acolyte. And this is going to be in the High Republic era, which is after the Old Republic falls. And it's a it's like between the 300 to 50 years before Skywalker. So the events of that will be more relevant, but still not that much. But I'm, I'm all right with that. I think the, the thing I'm looking forward to least is the Filoni movie. I feel like we've just seen as much as we need to see from that time period. It's like a sequel and a prequel. I'm just kind of done with prequels unless they go so far back that they really don't have anything. Like, we don't know what happens. With all the Filoni stuff, we basically know what happens, so there's not that much of a surprise. I mean, the Filoni stuff is like, this. that's all we're getting now. Yeah, it's like, also it's overload. all Filoni. 
which I'm fine with. But like, I kind of like I appreciate that because it'll be more like um, concise. I would say like Hopefully. it won't be as like convoluted as some of these things that they have to like retcon and stuff. So yeah, and then the one I haven't really looked at the trailer or anything about the accolade, but the one thing I did see was in the promo pictures. Uh, we were watching the Bad Batch of as, as I said a few times, and they had an episode where one of the Wookies, a young Wookie, was showing Jedi powers, and I said, "Who? I've never seen that before." And at first, when I saw the picture, I thought this was going to be that young Wookie yeah, grown be up, that's but the it can't line. be. So yeah. it, it must just be a previous Wookie that was yeah had Jedi powers. But I I'm no expert again, but I don't know of any at least on screen. Maybe in the books and such, they've talked about a Wookiee with Jedi powers, but at least on screens, I don't think there's been, and certainly not in live action, maybe in the cartoons. Uh, but that should be interesting. I wonder if he could communicate better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. I don't know. Or she. Not sure. But that is that is all the hot goss. Big news coming out of Star Wars. I feel like we're at a, we're at a crossroads with Star Wars, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I'll watch it. Yeah, I mean, like, we're going to watch all like, of it. It's never like that hard, you know, and it's entertaining. I do enjoy it. Irma, are you ready to slip on your comfies? You're already on the couch. <laughs> yeah, don't tell, don't tell. It's TV time, and I'm going to warn everybody again, if the internet hasn't already ruined it, we are about to talk about episode three of Succession. Yes, full spoilers. Please stop listening if you haven't watched the third episode. Or skip ahead to the rest of the show. Uh, there's timestamps in the description. So we should have known when I heard that nobody got screeners. Yeah. And that this was the big one. Hey, I said this from the beginning. Yeah, of course he had to. No, you said he didn't have to die. True. Eventually. So I took a note. Obviously, when we turned on the episode, we didn't know. He was going to die. So I took one note, basically, let's say the first seven minutes. I think it's really, it happens very early in the season and very early in the episode, which I thought was really cool. Uh, very shocking. But he has that quick, Logan has that quick conversation with Roman that he's not coming to Connor's wedding because, and that Roman, something happened with Jerry, yada, yada, again, whatever, the details are fine. He doesn't trust her anymore. She did a bad job. And Roman, the person that loves Jerry the most in the entire show, has to be the one to tell her that and that she's basically fired. I wrote a note that says, I wonder why anybody stays on his side at this point. And he's so awful. There's just no reason that it had to be Roman other than torture. Well, he I think that's part of it. Yeah, it's like the, the connection with him and Jerry. And I think that's also why he's firing Jerry. Because of that. Sure. That it could have just been somebody else. I guess. I don't know. He's an awful person. And then. Well, I he's making Roman prove to him like that you're with me. Do this and it'll show that you're with me. Yeah. I don't understand why anybody is with him anymore. I, I understand. Don't I know. They, they have such an easy out to get rid of a horrible, horrible guy. And they can't stay away from him until. God intervenes. <laughs> and uh, very quickly after that conversation, Tom, I love how they, how they did it because it just feels so natural. That's so real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tom calls Roman. Well, first he tries to call Shiv and she keeps like mm, right. she keeps um, denying it. it. Yeah. And you could tell that he's called her a couple times. And he's just says like, Logan is very sick. And 
without saying it as insinuating like he he might be dead do you want to talk to him or or like talk in his ear and then it just gets really emotional from there yeah i thought it was great honestly i just want to say like the whole way they went about it like they never show brian cox like having what we assume is a heart attack and collapsing and I just feel like that's so true to life. Our parents, like we don't spend like 24-7 with them. It's most likely that they will die, quote unquote, off screen. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And we will get a phone call and this is how it'll be. And we'll feel guilty for not being there and everything. And I just feel like, and it's always like at like the worst time possible. You know, it's never like when you would expect, like it's never like, a build up at the end of an episode and then it happens and then you're just left with this. Like, I like that it just happens like in the middle or the beginning of an episode and it just is what it is. And the whole rest of the episode is just watching people deal with the grief, deal with the aftermath and not deal with the lead up to the death, if that makes sense. Like, I just really liked that about this. A lesser show shows the crew on the plane, Logan getting short of breath, yeah, struggling to get to the bathroom, old man looking bad, maybe even shows him collapse, like the brutality of death, I guess. Yeah, and then like leaves it as a cliffhanger almost, you know? Yeah, or just gives it to us way more. And they made the very wise decision to make it less about Logan and more about what the world is to these people when a planet of a person with the gravitational force that they all orbit around well exactly that's what i that's what i wrote yeah Yeah. they all revolve around him and like i think that's also why they were so shocked and so like almost empty at that moment when they realize like he is probably dead and yeah it's like it shows what happens when you lose that center of yourself like i don't know i know you were saying that you like can't believe that these people like love him so much i mean i yeah he was definitely terrible but he was still their father like yeah i mean i get i get it in theory and then i guess in you don't really know how you're gonna react to the death of someone especially when it is this sudden i mean obviously he's old but he's not like on death's door old he's totally fine i don't think that's true i mean they've shown him getting short of breath a couple times I mean, the the whole series started with him in the hospital that he was about yeah. to die. And that was what, like four years ago? So that he was 80 then. He's maybe like 84, 85 now. Like when you're in your mid 80s, like you could die at any point. But yeah, you don't really know how you're going to react to somebody dying until it happens. So it's hard to comment on how the siblings react, but they all get very blubbery very fast. And I get it. It's their dad, but they hated him. That's like, I, I'm not, this isn't a critique of the show because the, the show is fantastic and the writing and the delivery and everything was fantastic. Now I'm just, the show is so good that I'm thinking about them as people. And it just, like, I can't wrap my head around. I understand being really flustered and confused and like, wow, what, like almost numb. Like, what well, do we like do that's now? kind of how what's her face is. Jiggles the cloud. Yeah, Carrie. Right, <laughs> yeah. Carrie. I honestly, Carrie reacts in like the most like 
okay, what the fuck? Like what, what just happened? Yeah. Not like, I mean, it's different because they've only known each other for whatever, two years, let's say. But yeah, like they just, they've built this animosity and this hatred for so long with the siblings. And I know they kind of always come back to him. But I don't, I just don't, I don't see Shiv being this blubbery and being like, I love you. Put, can he hear me? I love you. Cause she, he, he, she, she doesn't love him. It's, I don't get it, but I mean, she fine. does. Yeah, I think she does. And they all kind of like, don't really forgive him when they get put to his ear on the phone. They all kind of say like, I love you, but you were horrible or I love you, but I don't forgive you. They all have their own version of that where I think they're like, like fighting their own emotions. Like maybe like they also don't really understand why they're as sad as they are. Yeah, maybe. And I think like the only person who I think handles it, like you were saying is Connor. Yeah. He's kind of the only person was like, well, he hated me anyway. And his reaction was like, well, now I feel old. My dad is dead and now I feel old. Well, it's like, that is so true. And I just feel like he is kind of like the most human (laughs) in this episode. Like, um, now that his dad is dead, I mean, I think he wanted this anyway, but um, now like he wants to hold on to Willa, I would say like even more. I think he always wanted her, but like they have like kind of the most real relationship out of everyone in the show. He's like, are you marrying me for money? Like, and she says, yes, but I'm happy. I'm just like happy for the honesty. Finally, yeah. you know, like and they do get married at the end. It's kind of like he's like, well, my dad's dead. So fuck it. I'm going to still get married. Like, I don't know. I just loved that for him. Yeah. Connor is he's become a very interesting. He was kind of a side character. And now he's a very interesting character. He's somehow deluded enough to run for president, but also like the most grounded of the, the characters, at least when it Within comes this to world. his father. Yeah. And just He's under- very deluded. understanding that the family doesn't love each other. That's what like yeah. Connor sees that. And he just like, okay. Like, this is all fake. This is yeah. all a facade. He's flustered by the death, but he's not destroyed by it. Yeah. And that feels like a much more honest reaction based on what we've seen. Obviously, we don't know what happened in their childhood. We didn't see any of that. I know, I but can't they imagine it was it much lot. different. They reference it a lot. I don't see the big difference other than by title, the difference in relationship between the siblings and Logan and Carl and Frank and Jerry, except that actually Carl and Frank have known him for longer. Uh, although I guess Kendall is over 40 or whatever, like close, but. Well, isn't and Frank. Like they, they just react like they're, again, they're shocked and it's like a shock to their system. But they're not blubbering, and I guess it's not their kids. I get that it's different. But honestly, from what we've seen in the show, it isn't different. The children are just as much of business partners, and that's it, as the rest of his business partners. We haven't seen, other than one, two times he said, I love you, and then immediately followed it up with, but you're not real people. Which, besides his conversation with Roman that we saw in the beginning of the episode, at least to our knowledge, is the last thing he said to his children. He said, you're not real people, and walked away. Yeah, you can't love this man. I don't get it. They uh, like maybe it's the one hour that they learn their father was dead, and then the next few days, the next seven episodes, uh, they're going to come to a realization that maybe they didn't. So we'll see. I mean, I don't really think it has anything to do with love or not. I mean, yeah. they were connected to this person, and uh, they do very quickly like start thinking about the company and what needs to be done as a family 
versus what needs to be done for their company, you yeah. know, and what they should do. And I really loved when Kendall was saying like, it's, I mean, it's a little self-indulgent when he's like, oh, this is going to go in the history books. This is the day, or this is what we did when our father died forever or whatever, however he phrased it, which I, I liked that, you yeah, know, like, true. and I liked that, like it, gave them a little perspective like okay we need to really like we can't have the plane flying up there you know like we need to bring him down and we need to take care of this quickly and yeah it was a really interesting show of what someone dying like this entails and it felt real obviously i have no idea but it felt real uh it reminded me of like jackie the the movie mm -hmm. when obviously the president dying there's a lot more protocol like, it's a little bit less of like, okay, now what do we do? It's like literally, okay, we know exactly what to do. But it's still like that controlled chaos of this isn't just a person dying. This is a, uh, this is a news piece and this is a business to completely yeah. changing from one second to the other. Think about this Gojo deal that they've been dealing with. Like, this is months and months and months of buildup that they've been trying to make happen. And they're still kind of negotiating back and forth for, for this part of it. Now imagine... Something like that happens literally in five minutes and they have to make all of this happen and figure out what that means and stock prices and all of this. Uh, it's why it's crazy. It's crazy to dehumanize someone like that. But it was a really, I guess it was a really cool way of juxtaposing the siblings reacting to him as a human. And maybe that's why the show decided to make them as blubbery as they were, because they had to juxtapose that with showing him as a business and how kind of cold it is when somebody like that dies and you have to just craft a statement. And then when Shiv gives the statement, she talks about the business first, which I thought was, is crazy. Like it's crazy that she has to talk about the business first. And then she says something like that. He was our father and we'll miss him. But she talks about the business and then moving forward first. Like imagine the first thing you say about someone that died is just about their business. It, it was yeah. crazy. Well, that's what he's known for. That yeah. was his big achievement. And it's hard because I feel like a lot of people compare this show to um, the Murdochs who own Fox News and mm -hmm. all of that and FX and, or, or yeah, just Fox in general and like the business side. But it's also very comparable to the Redstones. Uh, Sumner Redstone owned Viacom and he treated... I think he just had a daughter. Maybe he had more kids. I don't really remember. But um, he treated his daughter like absolute shit, apparently. Um, basically, like dehumanized her, like just said awful, awful things to her. And when he died, apparently it was pretty similar. I, this was like in a book, I believe that was written. Like they did that same thing. Like a cell phone was held up to his ear while she said goodbye to him. And then like, I think she had to write a statement and stuff. And so she delivered it. So I, I like I do appreciate how um, is it Jeremy Strong? I always get them confused. Jesse Armstrong. Uh, Jesse Armstrong. I always get them confused. Takes from real life like that, you know, because these things like as unbelievable as they are, like they're pulled straight from real events. And but yeah, I'm excited to see like what happens for the rest of the season because I liked. I know you probably didn't as much, but like Kendall, Shiv, and Roman how they were like so connected, like so bonded, these three of them by like this trauma inflicted on them by Logan. And so they were finally like almost a like close family unit with Logan. But now like without him, I think they're all going to be like 
gunning for each other. Like, I think they're going to go after each other. And I'm kind of like, I mean, it's going to get a lot better. I know you were saying like you didn't love this first couple episodes because it felt like more of the same. And I think this like the rest of the season is going to be like, it's going to be crazy, I think. Yeah, I agree. I'm interested, like you said, to see what happens. And I also agree that it was nice to see them all working together for a little bit, but it's going to revert straight back to season one and they're going to want to cut each other's throats. Uh, I definitely see, just based on their most recent actions with the Gojo deal, I definitely see Shiv first making a move towards the crowd and then Kendall reacting to that and that kind of being the the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Uh, I don't know about, I don't know what Roman will do. I don't think he can handle any of any of this. Uh, without the guiding light of his father. Uh, but needless to say, this was a, beyond the story, a tour de force of acting. Yeah, Between it really the was. siblings. Even Connor, who, again, he doesn't get his due. Um, but they all were just locked in. And I also really liked the, the post-credits HBO kind of look behind the scenes that we often reference. Because it gives us a nice insight into what Jesse Armstrong was meant from all of this and they they talk briefly this one didn't talk about the story really at all um which i mean is fair not that much happened <laughs> just i mean except the biggest event but there wasn't like a lot of different plot pieces there was one major plot piece but all of the talk was about the actors and from their perspective actually doing their performance and i mean this is the emmy reel this is like this jeremy strong wins easy again i think and I think maybe they put Kieran Culkin in supporting just so he has a chance. But yeah, and Sarah Snook and Jeremy Strong are just like, whoo. Yeah, I agree. They were amazing. And even, uh, was it Matthew McFadgian? I thought he was great. He's always great. He's always great. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, he did a really good good job of trying to be the calm center. Um, and I really liked, like, he would never, until I think they prodded him, let's say, 20 times asking is he dead and he he, for a while he would just kept being like i I don't i don't know like i just obviously he actually didn't know but eventually he says something like yeah i think i think so and they just have to deal with that but yeah he he did a great job and then the hug with shiv at the end and then her like perfect little kind of brush off like she does the hug and then kind of moves him aside to commence with her business man it's it's so good it's so good. Like everything is just so well thought out. And I even noticed, so obviously I've talked a lot in the past two episodes, even though I said that I wasn't thrilled with the plot points, I think they were doing it on purpose of lulling us into like, yeah, here yeah, we go yeah, again. Yeah. And then they were going to drop this bomb in episode three with having no reason why we would think it was going to happen other than it has to happen eventually, I guess. But I kept talking about how good the dialogue is and just how sharp and funny and quick. And they dropped that completely this episode. All everybody just didn't know what to say. And they kept repeating themselves. And Roman was just like, he reverted back to cursing and blubbering and like just saying stupid stuff. And Kendall reverted back to his ums and mums. And uh, yeah, uh, just everything kind of went back to this really low level uh, dialogue, which was, it's just 
great. An, an all-timer for sure in an all-time show. Uh, fantastic. I used to always say that five seasons is ideal. Six seasons is the maximum. So four seasons is, is right in there with five. Um, and this was just based off like Oz and Six Feet Under and The Sopranos went to six. So The Sopranos went a little bit too far. The Wire went to five. Perfect. Like, I feel like these HBO shows, they know when to end it. That right. So two episodes of how many is there now? There will be 40 ish. I think maybe the first season wasn't wasn't 10. Um, but for two episodes, I was like, oh, OK, we're doing this again. But then they just drop it. So good. But yeah, it, like it's great that it's ending and it, it's just going to be it's going to be an all timer for sure. All right. So now from that somber note, we are moving on to Yellow Jackets. So this is the episode directly after, I guess, actually, season episode two of Yellow Jackets kind of gave us the big event, the big change when they eat Jackie. <laughs> totally different shows. <laughs> yeah, oh, crap. Yeah. But um, we actually, the episode opens with, we had referenced that the coach, the coach was not involved in the feasting and he was very perturbed by it. We open with a flashback of him with his boyfriend before they left and basically showing that there was a pretty specific event and decision of him going with the girls. And it was, I mean, yes, it's his job, but there was definitely discussion of him not going on the plane and leaving a job that he didn't like. And he said that he thought the girls were monsters. It's <laughs> kind of funny that that's what it's being flashed back to now. Yeah. That they that, actually have been deemed monsters, essentially. Yeah. And they stooped to it. So I, th I don't think it was a mistake that they showed that then. Um, and as we said, we kind of suspect that the coach, as one of the few characters that we have not seen in the modern time timeline, uh, is not long for this world. <laughs> I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, but they definitely hint at the fact that he is now wishing and dreaming of a life. He literally imagines an alternate reality for himself where he goes back to his boyfriend and, te and tells them he, he quit and he's not going on the trip and they live happily ever after. And then it cuts back to him in the cabin, um, kind of comatose, like uh, just blank stared. He's, he's kind of gone. So I don't know. Maybe they won't kill him. Maybe he'll just kind of give up well also he's not eating right like the girls yeah. ate he didn't you right. know so he's hungry and he might just starve to death essentially because like i i mean obviously like i think they're still gonna be going out hunting and stuff and but i just don't think like let's say if they still can't find deer and maybe they do decide to kill someone else like i still don't think he'll partake i mean maybe he will i don't know but he could just starve to death and that could be the way he goes. Yeah, we'll see if I mean, now it feels like it's inevitable they're eating him. So it's yeah. either it's either does he die of natural causes kind like Jackie wasn't Jackie was iffy, but it's not like anybody killed her. Exactly. They got in a fight and she she went outside and things went horrible. Um it'll be interesting to see if the coach dies because he's not eating yeah. or kills himself or whatever. Uh, and then they once again just decide, well, we've done it once. We might as well eat another human. That's what I think is going to happen. Me too. But then what, like, when will it be? Because they showed already that it becomes violent. Yeah. So at what point 
is it. So then they have to basically get to the point, if we're assuming Coach dies normal, they eat him. So then how much, how many more days does, I mean, I guess it doesn't take that long to be ravenously hungry, right? A yeah. Few, let's say a week, two weeks, I don't know. Chris Hemsworth fasted for four straight days and he was fine. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that, that'll be interesting. I like, again, that they're kind of expanding on everyone. I actually really like, I know I was kind of iffy or we were kind of iffy of exactly what was going on this season. But I feel like they've done a really good job honing in on all of the characters and expanding all of them out um, to be more compelling. And they actually, so Thaisa, they show with Van as the young Thaisa, kind of completely blocked out the, the feeding frenzy until Van reminds her about it. And that was a nitpick that we had maybe last week or I had that was like, how did she... Like, so now she seems crazy as an adult, right? It's like, she literally cut her dog's head off and made a shrine. Yeah. And it's like, how does that, how does it, like the, the wife that she had and the family that she built just see nothing, no signs until it snaps back in. But they, even if it's still a nitpick, they at least give a reason. Like she is able, something happens in her brain where she totally blocked out the, yeah. the feeding. It's so like there's like, like two different versions of herself almost. Right. True. Like, yeah. Yeah. Was it they call like a memory palace? You know, like you put things in there and you don't have access to them in a way. Are you talking about flight attendant? <laughs> yeah. She's going to start talking to herself in a fake bar. Yeah. I mean, she basically did start talking to herself. And then they show her in the, as an adult, in the hospital. And she has, presumably she did it, drawn the symbol of the, the diagonal person, mm, let's call it, yeah. on her wife's hand. And we still don't really know what that symbol means. I don't know if it's meant for, for protection or for a marking, like uh, an attack for the presence. Yeah, well, I forget where I was reading this. Um, this could be like a theory. I don't really know. But people or companies will like, and they actually even referenced it in this past episode. They were like, oh, this ground has a lot of like extra iron in it. Like when the birds fell from the sky. Mm -hmm. And so like companies or like plants or whatever will make markings like, oh, like this soil has a lot of oil or iron in it. So there'll be like um, a symbol that they'll put on trees and stuff. So you think that symbol of a person diagonal with lines through it is, no, is just but a I'm mark? just saying like, like a forester's maybe, marking? I don't know. I guess they do. We've talked about how they do always give a potential out. So yeah, maybe that I mean, could be... I have no idea what... I, I mean, I doubt that's true, but I do find it interesting that she said this ground has a lot of iron in it. Like, why would she say that? And how would she yeah, know that? Yeah, how would they even know that? So, I don't know. Yeah, then also, just on the Thaisa front, they really, she's really carrying the horror potential of the show. Um, and they fully reference what we do. We no longer have to call it a presence. We can call it the, the one with no eyes. Because I think they've kind of established whatever is following them whatever she's following at night is this per it's kind of a person that we're seeing. Um, it's so creepy. Yeah, I hate it. Oh, it's great. I hate it. <laughs> and uh, so that, that, that is something and whether or not that is just a delusion uh, is a question we'll continue to have. And I'm sure they'll never really answer it, which is really cool, I think, but it's definitely Thaisa in both timelines carrying the horror aspect of of all of this and yeah I guess you're right you're lottie, right lottie to an extent um but lottie just seems more in control of it whereas thaisa seems to now to be fully spiraling in both timelines 
Um, yeah. So I, it's interesting that she actually survives um, as a child. Uh, and you know what? I thought this was the best episode for the Shauna storyline that we have been saying is kind of dumb. Like she now, now they're just fully leaning into her being a little crazy. So I think, and I know we have said in the past, we think it's Lottie, but I think Shauna is the leader of the cannibals. I think Shauna is the leader with like the horns and stuff. Like she's already killed mm -hmm. Jackie kind of by accident. She killed Adam in the older timeline. She's already threatened to kill someone else. Like, I don't know. And also like the excuse of like her baby and people are like, seem to like take that as like a, oh, well, if Shauna needs it, like, mm -hmm. let's do it. So I don't know. I feel like it's like Shauna who's like kind of in control. And also like, I think that's another reason why like in her, in her adult timeline, she's just like hates this life. I see it. I, I could definitely see it. And the, yeah, the scenes that we've been referencing where they show them in the, in like they're in a round of fire and they're all in their, their crowns yeah, of bones. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually have, they don't, have they shown that in the second season? No, yet? they haven't. So I think it really just opened up the first season. Yeah. That's how it's um, the first season. And started. there's like an obvious middle person with yeah. the biggest crown, like mm -hmm. a, a queen of some sort. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think you're right that the first season we kind of assume it's Lottie because she's the one that's mystical. Everyone keeps like turning to her. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of changing that they're skeptical of Shauna, but she's certainly leading the pack on eating people. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, and then as an adult, they're showing her be pretty fierce. Yeah, exactly. And, and quite capable. Very honestly. capable. Yeah, well, because they're playing on the fact that, like, you just never suspect this totally normal exactly. looking woman yeah, to yeah. attack you when you're holding the gun. Exactly. And then her freaking shud husband was like, whoa. I know. Because <laughs> Jeff, let him, I love they, Jeff. They could have freaking just gotten the car back. That guy was gone. Just let, let the girl eat, right? Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I am kind of curious to see. Now that I have that in my head, where Shauna goes. I mean, I don't know if that's true. And I, I probably won't that. be disappointed if it doesn't turn out to be true. But it it gives me something to like, be like, okay, let's see how this goes. Let's see how this turns out. Really, all the storylines took a, a a nice step forward this episode. Uh, Misty met her partner. Misty met Elijah Wood. Ooh, I'm shipping them. Partners in crime. They're just fantastic together. Unfortunately, it's kind of a doomed relationship because he's obviously going to figure out that he's that Misty is covering for Shauna that they killed somebody. And I wonder how he'll react. Maybe well, he'll be OK with it. Misty has also killed someone. She killed that reporter last yeah. season. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But I just love them together. Yeah, me too. I just love Elijah Wood. And they and they also opened the door with something weird happening at this cult. Like at for, they're kind of showing it. As like, obviously it's a bit of a cult, but there's nothing really nefarious happening as at least of what we've seen, but there's something nefarious happening. They're, they're hinting at it. Oh, absolutely. The blood and then she sees the honey <clears throat> as blood and like something is off. And also like, so I think last week I said like, oh, is this like back in the woods where the plane crash happened? I think it's very clearly not that place. Yeah. They she, say it's in New York. Yeah. They say, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I was kind of hoping that it was. I was like, that would be so cool. It's similar. Like, there's yeah. no oh, denying yeah, that there's it's no similar. Denying. They're alone in the woods in a beautiful, idyllic place. But yeah, just I like that they're marrying things up 
more between the kid the kids and the adults. Like Nat, it, they're showing the Nat and Lottie butting heads from when they were kids, and now they're bringing it to when they're adults, and they're the ones that are together. Like, there's no mistake. It's not Misty that's at the camp. It's Nat, who is is mad at Lottie for making um the guy think that his brother's still alive. Like, they're having the same arguments about, like, this, is, this isn't all hocus pocus. It's just real life. Yeah, and so I think they've hinted um, in the Thaisa storyline, like, she sees herself in the mirror... And then the, her mirror self is telling oh, yeah. her to like classic trope find Van. So that's what I'm very oh, excited yeah, for next yeah, episode yeah. is like to adult Van to come into the story and to maybe help us like round out like what is going on with Taisa. The only person that knows who she is with the delusions and the sleepwalking and the potential for violence and was okay with it, at least when they were alone in the woods and had no one else to deal with. Uh, but yeah, I really like how they did it, that she covered her face in like with her the hands scarring. as if making the scars that Van has. That should be good. And Lauren Ambrose is, is always good. I know. It makes me wonder like why it didn't work out between them. I mean, I understand they were in high school and that's a long time and stuff like that doesn't always work out. But like Van just seems so like wanting to help her. Like she like, follows her when she's uh, sleepwalking, wanting to know like what's happening, wants to help her as much as possible. Like, yeah, something tells me Thaisa is the one that, that ended that. So yeah. we'll see. And yeah, they did open up the possibility of us seeing the timeline of when they're home, when they're back. Yeah, yeah, they exactly. They one thing with Lottie. So we'll see if they dive into when they get back from the woods. Exactly. Yeah, I hope they do. Again, episode three opened up a lot of interesting storylines that, this place can this show can go and i'm i'm pretty excited to see what they do with it i think they've they've now definitely earned my excitement yeah another slow burn but yeah it's definitely going to be really good a literal slow burn <laughs> all right and now two new shows so dave came back on fx fx on hulu and um we watched it before sunday's episode of succession and I said, I'm just going to say it. Dave is the best show on TV. <laughs> oh, right. Maybe that's, not, maybe that's not true anymore. Succession is obviously I mean, still they're very fantastic. Different. They're very different. But I love what he does with this show. It is hilariously funny. But then he gets so deep with explorations of celebrity and fame and success and his own confidence. Like He's a very confident person. And then he... it. I've heard a lot of his interviews and he's, it seems like he's really not that different from his character. Not at all. But then he, he's so overconfident. He's yeah. like, I'm supposed to be great. Yeah. He, I think he said like he, he's pictured himself as, as since childhood as like an extremely famous person and it's happening. Um, I don't think he's extremely famous, well, like a, but he's or definitely, very successful. Yeah. But then he always shows his flaws and his self-consciousness. And like this, the, the second, he was very self-aware. Yeah. The second episode specifically was just fantastic. Like this, one of those perfect, pure chaos episodes, like episode seven of the bear, even though this one wasn't one shot, but it was like the same idea of them making this music video in this tiny confined space, his parents' house, and just all this chaos happening around him and him both being obsessed with a music video 
which like you can kind of write off as like, all right, it doesn't have to be perfect. Right. But it, to him, it has to be perfect. And again, going back to interviews that I've heard with him, like he spends 15 hour days. I guess it's not that strange when you're a showrunner, but like he, he's told people like my name is on this show. Yeah. Like I, everything to the detriment of his music career, even though I guess his music career was kind of a way into this career. Like all he's done is this show. And I just, I love it. Yeah. It's really great. It's so smart. It's so smart. And yeah, it's so emotional. Like I cried at the end of a show made by Lil Dicky. <laughs> and just the relationship. Which episode did you cry on? At the, at the end of this one, when like, when the, um, his the, friend. Zoe's extraordinary yeah. playlist yells at him about just his self obsession and like this was her story too and she's yeah, not gonna yeah. be she's not gonna be bullied into like make, being his therapy and then again like him just showing that and being raw to it is just so good yeah and then and then on top of the the emotion of it it's so funny yeah he is so funny I get it that it's kind of like literally if you could make someone. For Zach to find funny, it is a white guy. He's from Philadelphia, but close enough, like a white East Coaster who loves basketball, loves rap to the point that he's very good at it, um, <laughs> is Jewish. Like, it, you know, just so much of it is just like right up my alley. So obviously I'm a bit biased and I'm going to love it more than maybe your average but a lot person. of people love the yeah. show. Like, I think it's very much like a critically acclaimed like comedy. Um, he's great. Yeah, really and then just is. like subtle little jokes of just just being like, yeah, it's really high minded and and outwardly funny. Like all that he talks about his penis a lot, and that's a big gag with him. Yeah. Um, but then he does these little things, like the, when they were on the set, the one of the PAs that's assumed is bringing coffee to people, and what just one of the names, like how you would write it on a Starbucks cup, is Jew, and she's holding it right next to him, and there's just this slight pause. Well, no, she's calling out yeah, like, like name, coffee like for Jew. Jew, Jew. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, at first he's like, well, that's not me. And then he slowly like accepts that, okay, that's me. And then it's not him. It's a, it's an Asian guy whose name is Jew. And it's just like the way it's hard to explain in, in audio format, but just a perfect little subtlety. And it's such a passing little thing. Yeah. Like you might even not notice it. And then how he uses the, the super tall guy. So like <laughs> it's kind of just a silly gag. That they're getting a rival, so he's reliving his uh, high school days um, as a kid. Yeah. And then the girl that he had a crush on has a boyfriend, and he's reliving all that, except the guy that they cast to be the boyfriend is like seven feet tall. So when he gets out, when he gets out to see him, they're like, this is insane. We obviously can't use this guy. It's going to look absurd. Yeah. And then, so like, then that guy is just around the set for the rest of the day. And then he uses him in his evolution of man thing that he's been talking about and referencing as the end of the video. And instead of Dave being the, the biggest, like the end of the evolution, it's the seven foot guy that's dressed as Dave next to him. So he just found a way that should just be a passing gag about a guy being too tall to be in a music shoot into like the, the end of the, the closing segment of his story. So yeah, highly, highly recommend Dave, if not for succession. I would say it's easily the best show that's still on, that's on right now. Um, but TV, TV has just been, TV is unbelievable right now. Yeah, I feel like the spring always gets so packed because Emmy uh, voting, I want to say, or um, 
what is it? The window closes like at the end of May. So all of the shows are just like releasing everything right now so they could be nominated. And the Emmys are in August, which seems so far away. But like that's always, always what happens. And it's very annoying that it doesn't get spread out. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about it. But next week, Maisel comes back for its final season. Barry comes back for its final season. The new Lindelof show that I guess isn't probably isn't Emmy stuff, but it's still a major thing is coming out. All this, uh, the new Ol- the Elizabeth Olsen show that's definitely going to have her and um, Jesse Plemons. They're going to try and be nominated. You know, like we're at that level. And it's just every week there's a new 10 episodes of yeah. stuff that's coming out. When do the out. White, House, crazy. White House plumbers that come out? That soon too. I think, I think the Elizabeth Olsen show comes out before Succession ends. And then that show is probably going to be in tandem with yeah. it after Succession ends. But yeah, and then another one that they actually just announced that they are submitting to the Emmys as a limited series. So it's a, definitely an Emmy show um, is Beef that came on Netflix. So every time you think Netflix is not worthy of your hard-earned dollars they come out with this one super super hyped show before it was even out i heard so much about how yeah good me it too was. and it's they must have just sent screeners out to influential people and be like talk about this the one interesting thing about netflix shows is people are saying how good it is and they have seen all of it so it's different than like just sending two episodes of the next hbo show like when they when people are saying The Last of Us seems good, they had seen two episodes. But in the Netflix case, like the people that are going nuts about it on the internet and saying how great everyone is has seen all ten. So like it, it was kind of weird because I heard how amazing it was, and the first three episodes are definitely good. There's definitely something there. Well, we watched what four or five episodes now. Well, now we're on six. Oh, we're on six. Okay. After the first three, I was kind of thinking like this feels like something that could have been made into a really tense, really escalating two hour movie and just been done with it. And then it softens a little. Then the next three episodes made me realize why it is a full show, because it gives the characters and the storyline a little bit time to breathe. And it's not just like an escalating one upsmanship of hating each other yeah it was definitely the hottest thing on the internet for a day it probably will be for a week and then like all netflix things it will fade very quickly yeah we'll probably finish it this week and maybe like if depending on how we feel about it talk about it a little again next week yeah definitely i was very intrigued by the last few episodes yeah me too more than like they are they they build out the the plot line is kind of like a sitcom. You can't judge a sitcom from the first, oftentimes first full season, but we don't have that much time. Um, but it was definitely good. Like there was something there, but everybody saying how good it is has seen them all. So there has to be, it's just the last few episodes have given me hope that there's, there's something really amazing coming at, with like the conclusion of all this. And I, I find it kind of interesting. Steven Yoon has made some fantastic decisions and he's obviously a really good actor it's just funny to see the guy from the walking dead like that's what he well that's what he got famous yeah. as is now like when steven yoon is in something it, it, it brings a gravitas to it it brings something really prestigious to it just based on everything he's done well he was one of the best parts of the walking dead yeah easily. everyone said so and when he i think he also left at the perfect time yeah. 
you know, like when he left, like the show was just not good anymore. Yeah, like it just it often, lost. Yeah. That's a big turning point in when, because I don't know anybody that finished it, but there's always like the, when he's off the show, it's. That's a, when we stopped watching. Well, I watched more. You what you were done, but I watched more and then it got whatever. Yeah, because he was my favorite character. Yeah. I'm like, well, if he's gone, I'm not going to keep watching this. But it is interesting because that character was just like this really lovable guy. And that's why everybody was really upset when he was gone. Um, but a lot of other things he said and he's played like in Burning, right? He plays a terrible guy. Yeah. And then in this, he's like, he's not terrible. We learned that he's not terrible, um, but he's definitely not likable. It's very flawed. Yeah. I mean, so is Ali Wong. Yeah. I love Ali yeah. Wong in this. I really do. Everything she does, I really love. Yeah. And like she stands up. So I'm talking about like Stephen Yeun give, giving gravitas to to his projects now, which is yeah. great so quickly. Um, but she is right there with him as a person that is a stand up, which is just like both of them are fantastic. And then even some of the supporting guys, David Cho is yeah. great. And so he there's like a little bit of him that's this guy's not an actor. He's an artist. I know he's actually an artist while like this, these other people are trying to be what he does. Yeah. Kind of funny. I, he just like plays a character that it's okay that he's not the best actor. You know, like he. I don't know. I feel like he's, yeah, he, his character is who he is yeah, in yeah, a way. I, yeah, I think so. I mean, not because he's actually like very wealthy and well, yeah. <laughs> well to do, but. But just, yeah. And like mannerisms and personality. Yeah. Wise. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, again, I'm sure you've seen it on the internet that it's great and it's, everybody's talking about it. Um, but now the first three, I was like, this is definitely good, but are we calling it great? And now I'm willing to say that there's something pretty special happening. Um, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll finish it. All right. Um, so I also want to give a shout out. I just finished, um, also on Netflix, it's called Shadow and Bone, who is the second season. Um, this is based off of a book. It's a high fantasy series um i don't really have too much to say except that i really liked it it kind of makes me want to read the book but now that i've already watched two seasons i feel like it it feels silly but um if you like fantasy i would say give it a watch but yeah i i really enjoyed it I, netflix is so strange it all just like comes and goes so quickly and unfortunately, we once again, didn't get to the theaters to see John Wick. I'm starting to think it's probably not meant to be, and we will see it. Uh, but probably when it comes out on, is it Paramount? Is it a Universal movie? It'll be on one of the streaming things. I think we're going to probably see Renfield this week for next week. And then the week after that is just Hoffman Horror Hour. There's just no room for John Wick. So we snuck in a streaming movie. And as we talked about on episode eight, when we talked about rom-coms, uh, we are kind of suckers for this new age, more emotional, more funny, more geared, uh, like a little high, more high-minded rom-com that was on Hulu, and it was called Rye Lane, and it came out of Sundance, debut directorial performance by Rain Allen Miller, and it it stars the David Johnson from Industry, and then a woman that I've never seen before. I think she was in a few British things, so it's very it's very British. It's so British that. I almost had to turn on subtitles. Really? I was, I was shocked you didn't ask me to turn on the subtitles. I was okay with it, actually. <laughs> it was actually more the artist at the beginning, his their friend. Oh, yeah. He I had didn't a understand. Deep accent, yeah. but then they kind of left him. Uh, and then the the main characters are are normal. 
um, British accents, but there, there was a time there. I was like, oh my, I don't know what these guys are saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I have, I got it. Well, but I had I'm to, glad yeah. this is currently recording. <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked that you didn't say, can we please turn on the, the subtitles? Um, but it basically was a, it gave me British before sunrise vibes uh, in the fact that it was two strangers who met and commenced with just a day walking through the streets. And in this case, it's in South London in the Brixton neighborhood specifically, which I thought was really cool. It's, it's another one of those things. So everybody involved is black. So it's, it's just showing like a, a different side of this story that we don't, we don't see as much, uh, which I always love, just a different perspective, a different setting. I think this neighborhood, the director said that that neighborhood, which she is from, is like always seen as like gritty. I mm. guess it can be like maybe the Detroit even though Detroit's a completely different city. Yeah. But just like more of like, oh, it's it's hard down there. And she just wanted to show like a love story in this neighborhood. Yeah. But I just thought it was like a really cool place they showed, like a really lived in rather than... It really was, yeah. Doing the walking, they walk through like a mall, like a farmer's market, a playground. And yeah, it was like... And they're just talking essentially the whole time. And it was just very charming. They're both very charming people. And they're like in their early 20s. And um, I want to say David Johnson's character. So he had just broken up with his girlfriend. And so he's still like heartbroken from that. Yeah, we we, we highly recommend it. Again, kind of like a British before sunrise mis- mixed with that. The modern rom-coms that we talked about in episode eight, like Love Life, that was a series. And the new High Fidelity, that was a series. Um, but the somebody I used to know that we talked about that was on Amazon. Similar vibe, except with a tinge of Atlanta, I would say. That in the in like the, the surrealist storytelling, and they they do some really interesting shots. She shoots a lot with a wide angle lens. So everything is a little distorted often. Uh, and then sometimes it's just fully distorted, like fanciful lighting and and coloring like recreations yeah and re- they show some flashbacky recreations <laughs> well yeah because they're not flashbacks but they're like vivian is like telling um david a story about like happened with her and her ex-boyfriend and so he is like sitting in the movie theater and there's like like 50 of him yeah. watching it on screen and i don't know it's just like really cool the way that's done yeah very artistic-y surrealist yeah, exactly. way of telling this it's not like the most original story but no. we we love that just like a really human rom-com about two strangers and similar spaces in their life, finding each other and, and bonding over it. Uh, so highly recommend it's on Hulu. Yes. Very sweet. Finally, Hoffman's horror hangout. It's been a while. You freaks. I am here. I watched. Gosh. So I have an app that tells me what movies are on what streaming networks it's called Just Watch. If AMC doesn't want to sponsor us, Just Watch can sponsor us. Thank you very much. Um, and it showed that Terrifier 2 was finally on Amazon. Uh, it came out last year, and I would heard it was really good. So then it also turns out that Tar- Terrifier 1 is streaming on Peacock, which was really interesting that they weren't on the same thing. But I guess one already had the rights before Terrifier 2. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if... Which I'd... one did I walk in on you watching? That was two. Yeah, that was... Completely terrifying. Yeah. So um, it is a guy, his name is Damien Leone. 
And he was a makeup and special effects artist on other movies. But now, if you look at his credits, he's been trying to build this Art the Clown killer character because he has a short that's based on it. And then he has a, another full-length movie that seems to, seems to feature this clown. And then he finally put out Terrifier in 2016. And that, that movie I can't actually recommend. It's more of a proof of concept. It's supremely fucked up and very violent. Both of them are very violent. And it's like the gratuitous violence. So if you're kind of a horror nut and can understand that he's referencing things and, and doing this very specific campy ultraviolence, you appreciate it. But the acting is pretty bad. Like it feels like a really low budget movie because it, it was nothing. Like the acting isn't great. The clown is fantastic. But then Terrifier 2. Are you going to say what it like is about? What happens? No. Okay. It's he's Art the Clown is the is a silent clown killer. Oh. And it's very mimey. So like he's just so like his movements are way over the top and really campy. And but he's so good. It's like this over the top clown monster. And oh, it's great. And so Terrifier 2 takes all of what was good about Terrifier and actually turns it into a movie. So if you don't want to watch an hour and a half of Terrifier 1 is one night of ultra violence of this guy basically just going around the city killing people and terrorizing these two girls specifically. Terrifier 2 takes that and adds more characters and adds more of a storyline. And it's like 45 minutes longer, which I was like, oh, my God. So the first one's only an hour and 20 minutes. It's like, all right, like we can just watch this. And then when I saw the runtime for Terrifier 2, it's two hours and 15 minutes, but it, it flies by because they actually add storyline. Well, did it like have a different director or different no, same writer? Guy, same guy. It's just like he was given a budget to make a real movie. I see. And he got better actors. No offense if you're listening to the, to the <laughs> actors in, in, in the first one. You did a fine job. You're very good looking. Um, but, but yeah, there, there, was a, there was a bit of an obvious step up in acting in the second one and storytelling. But yeah, like I said, it's it's ultra violent. Like it reminded me of the Cronenberg level of body horror gore. Like you only saw well, scary I... makeup. No, you only saw scary makeup. No, I saw like someone's skin being peeled off. Yeah, so that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, that was pretty awful. Like really brutal. Some of the stuff that my my father is like just simply does not understand which I totally get. I mean, I simply don't understand it. Just like he, like he just like vehemently does not understand why anybody would watch anything like this. Yeah. I don't get it either. Watches it is like, all right. Like, obviously it's not real. They make it so violent that it's obviously not real. It's like a, a play on that, but yeah, like a Cronenberg level of gore with a Sam Raimi level of camp. And then kind of Halloween-ish because A, it takes place on Halloween. So it's very similar to that. And it's about a, a crazy serial killer who wears a mask, even though it's face paint in this case. But yeah, just like a really, it's, it's too awful to ever be mainstream like Halloween. But it's, he's, it's such a good character that he's built. It's so scary, especially people are already terrified of clowns. It's so much scarier than the It Clown. Because the like the it clown is kind of goofy. This one is just like 
terrifying. There's a read like he's literally a madman. And then it goes way over the top. Like they immediately go way over the top of supernatural stuff. Yeah, if you're a crazy person, you should watch it. It's really good. The second one is really good. The first one, uh, maybe just read the plot or just like, I don't know. It's fine. This is making me question you. Yeah. <laughs> As I a person. Yeah, it's, it's, it's brutal. The fact that you're saying it's really good. I'm scared. It's brutal. The, one of the kills in the first one is the most awful thing I've ever seen. Then they, why'd you watch they don't it? Really, they actually don't really show it because it's that awful. Like they literally couldn't show it. This is crazy. <laughs> but why? But I don't know. But people love it. People love it. They're making a Including third one. Including you. People, they're making a third one. Who are these people? They need help. You need yeah, help. Yeah, horror, horror freaks. I don't know, Zach. Yeah, it's like, there's like subgenres of horror. This isn't my, technically my favorite of when it's just like awful gore. Yeah, um, this seems awful. But it's not, see, it's, it's playful gore, though. It's not like. Playful? A, yeah, but it's not like a hostile type situation where it's like torture porn. I mean, some people might say it is, but like, it's so over the top that it's obviously. Like the makeup looks kind of silly sometimes. Really? They're just like busting faces open and oh. like there's just no way to show this level of gore without it looking a little silly. Okay. Like so it's kind of on purpose that it's like like Sam Raimi, you watch those Evil Dead movies, and that was 20 years ago. Um, but like some of the things look similar to that. So it's just like it's awful. He cuts a a woman in half, um, starting from her hoo-ha. Um that's what I was referencing as the most horrible thing. But but it's like fun. <laughs> okay. I think I have to call my divorce lawyer. <laughs> if anyone listening, please send help. Yeah. Uh, no, there are definitely some hard, some terrible times. But yeah, it, it, it's I don't know. It's freaking weird. Uh, but I watched it. And yeah. if you really like horror, I would say, yeah, sure, watch it. But I can't believe you're recommending crazy. this to our I'm listeners. I'm like half recommending it. Okay. But that was it. It's been nice being at the Hoffman Horror Hangout again. And again, like I said, I hinted at two weeks from now, the new Evil Dead and the new Ari Aster movie come out on the same day. Well, Ari Aster's movie is not supposed to be scary, I've heard. So yeah, but it's still we'll horror see. adjacent. He's still horror king. Yeah. So uh, that, I think that episode, so this will be two weeks from now. I mean, I feel like also Ari Aster's kind of doing the Jordan Peele route. Like Jordan Peele, his last movie wasn't scary. Yeah, Jordan Peele is a bit more genre bending okay we'll see though i i really i don't know i've avoided anything about yeah. the new ari aster so i i don't know and this is with joaquin phoenix yeah, right which is huge yeah he's, he's talking all, about a famous clown he's an all-timer oh yeah uh but before that next week like i hinted out earlier mazel is back barry is back whatever you might think about mazel i'm sure most people have dropped off I enjoy watching uh, I it. Really I find like it very it. funny. She's so funny and so compelling. Still. Yeah. The assistant, the manager. Now I can't think of her real name. Yeah. But she's great too. I'm just really interested to see where they land the plane. Exactly. Me too. And then Barry is obviously still. Ugh. Like we're talking just all the so previous. I like Barry. Can I just say I like Barry? I do find it a bit of a hard watch at this point. Yeah, it's supposed to be. Like I don't honestly enjoy watching it. And like it makes me feel like a bad TV watcher. Because everyone says how amazing it is. And I agree, oh, it's, it's pretty amazing. good. But it's also just like, oh, all right, got to down and watch Barry now. Yeah, but we're talking, so three Emmy Award winning shows I know. Are, are ending all it's right true. now. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, everybody calls it like the golden age was like that early HBO and then kind of ending with Breaking Bad. 
And now, I don't know. Like right now, it's just there's so much great TV. It's <laughs> wonderful. It's wonderful. I, I love movies too, but there's just something about TV that's happening right now. I'm sure in the summer it'll be like, wow, oh, just terrible TV. But right now it's overwhelming well, with greatness. In the summer, what we'll have a holy moly, wipeout. yeah, holy moly, <laughs> and wipeout are back, baby. That's the two shows we'll be talking about. Yeah, but that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Craig for the production assistance and to John Welsh for our intro and outro music. Subscribe so you know every time we post an episode. We are also going to start doing, on the first of every month, we're going to start doing an excitometer, kind of a look ahead at everything coming out that month. So on top of our normal weekly episodes, those can be kind of standalones where you don't have to worry about having not seen the episode or the movie because we'll just be talking about what we're excited for. So I think that'll be pretty fun. So subscribe so you know when those are, because those won't be on Wednesdays. Um, If you're a regular listener and you haven't already, or you want to put another review under a different name, please just keep posting those reviews, say how wonderful we are. That'd be lovely. Follow us on all the social medias under Talk Intent, and feel free to email us. Still looking for some emails to talk to our, our big fans at talkintent at gmail.com. So from our living room to yours, what do you want to watch? Bye.